About a year from now, the Ford Motor Company is going to introduce a new kind of vehicle to the American market. It's a three-row, seven-passenger, compact crossover called the C-Max, unlike anything Ford's ever brought to the market, except in Europe, which is where I happen to be right now, in a little village called Tourette's in France. Yeah, that Tourette's. Ford's been bringing in wave after wave of journalists from all over the world to test drive the vehicle. And on the leg I happen to be on, Jim Farley was too. He's the head of all sales and marketing for Ford. I got to drive around the French countryside in the C-Max with Jim Farley, talking about all different kinds of things, how he got into the business and different kinds of technology that they've got on the vehicle. So I invite you to come along with me for that drive in what I'm calling Travels with Farley. Jim, whatever got you interested in cars in the first place? Well, I think um, for me it was probably uh, the Ford Mustang. Um, I rebuilt the Ford Mustang when I was really young and much to surprise my parents, I drove it across the country and uh, I really fell in love with just uh, the joy of working on a car and getting it running and it kind of went from there and frankly, um, I've owned so many cars since then that it's uh, my poor wife puts up with it like all of us car people. But, um, you know, frankly, in the end of the day, it's really the friendships I've made along the way that really got me more and more into cars over time. And, you know, it's a business, and I was always apprehensive about whether the business would ruin my love for the automobile itself. And it never has, actually. It's gotten interesting, more and more interesting as I've gotten, I had the opportunity to get more responsibility. And, you know, they're good and bad days. And, you know, if you have a bad day and you and I get to go to the Paris Motor Show, I mean, it's like a dream come true. Is your love of cars what wanted to get you into the car business or it was just a job that you applied for? Or how'd you get into the car business? I went to UCLA Business School and um, I... I got an offer from Ford to be a financial planner on the rear differential of the F-Series, or uh, I got an offer from Toyota to be the product planner for Lexus, the first ever one. And Lexus didn't even exist, and I was like, well, a call, whole car or a rear differential? I'll take, I'll take the whole car. And uh, so, I mean, I, actually, I was kind of pretty short-sighted, but, I mean, that's how, it's, how I, my first job in the car business started. And uh, always in marketing, advertising, marketing? Yeah. Yeah, I started in product planning, actually. That was my true love. And, you know, coming up with concepts for new vehicles, it was just, um, it was actually a perfect fit for me. Hey, recently there was this terrific video that came out of a Ford Fiesta rally car. Oh, yes. Wild Inside. stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, well, you guys spent some money on that video. I mean, I, I count at least four different cameras that Absolutely. are being used. Absolutely. And, uh... I mean, so, I mean, you put a lot into it, and it's a pretty long video, too. Yep. Well, what I, I think Ken, Ken uh, Block has been a really important uh, partner for us. You know, he, he was really connected with Subaru for a long time. Mm -hmm. He actually came to us, and, uh, you know, I was really excited about that possibility because I knew that we have to find someone that, that the audience trusts, not us. I mean... 
trust for big companies has never been an all-time low. And, you know, you have to have a credible... You have to have someone that, that the audience connects to that believes, that they believe. And Ken's one of those people. Where do you see advertising going? I mean, you know, who'd have thought that you could post these things on YouTube? Right, you know, And right. bang, they go viral, yes. they go global, and you have this mega hit on your hands. How does that change your thinking about the way that you do advertising these days? I think, you know, how I look at it is, especially you have a great brand like Ford that people are emotionally connected to. Um, you know where I think it's going? Is we have to just give our brand to other people. We have to give our story to other people. And let we them have, tell it? Absolutely. I think that's where everything is going, frankly. Because as I said, you know, generally people don't trust big companies. So you have to give your brand up to others who they do trust. And it's a little scary, frankly, the Fiesta movement, whether it's that or Ken Block, or I think it's, it's going into, for example, cell phone advertising. I think that's one of the biggest trends we're going to see. Cell phone advertising? Absolutely. I haven't heard about this. How's that work? Well, I mean, first of all, cell phone is a private device. It's something you pay for. It's not like the internet or TV you watch or you consume for free. And people are really picky about what they do on their cell phone. If you're going to do advertising, you cannot take an internet banner ad and run it on a cell phone. Because people are paying for that time. You have to be a lot smarter than that. So, um, you know, what the smart companies are doing and what we're looking into is working with application developers uh, for smartphones uh, and embedding our products. So let's say you have a, a navigation application or you have an application that calculates your fuel economy. Wouldn't it make sense for Ford to be part of that application? Mm -hmm. or the Fiesta. Mm -hmm. And so instead of running a traditional ad, it makes a lot more sense to, let's say, do product placement on an application that's relative to an automobile. I think that's where cell phone advertising is going to go. And I think, you know, I always follow, um, I always follow how people consume media. And people are spending more and more and more time on their smartphone. And so you, we got to find a way to connect with them and our products on cell phones. We have to. What do you do or can you tra translate some of that into that, that feeling or the sense of it into traditional television advertising? Yes. Uh, that's a great question. I think like what we've done on American Idol uh -huh. where you have the participants talking about Fiesta. Uh, you don't just run an ad you know, on a block, although you do that. The ads are actually customized for the show. They include the participants. And during the show, you have different opportunities for the participants to actually, um, to actually highlight the product. I think if you don't do that kind of product placement, you know, you're gonna be seen as a static company. You missed an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And any thoughts to doing another kind of uh, video or what would be the next step? Okay, you did the Ken Block thing. Is uh, I'm sure you don't just want to do all these WRC kind of ad things, yeah. but what other ideas do you have here? Well, I'm really excited about our focus test drive to give 50 people from around the world, fly them all to Southern Europe, have drive the prototype vehicles before they're on the street and on sale, have them record their experience, not us, have them bring their own cameras, use their social networks, and they're going to come up with unbelievable ideas. Um, like the Fiesta movement, we had a girl come to us and said, hey, when you launch the Fiesta, why don't you compare it to Lamborghini? And we were like, a Lamborghini? She's like, oh, the Fiesta's so much cooler than the Lamborghini. And basically, we want to 
says against the Lamborghini. Like, can it hang? And <laughs> she was right. It was. And, and uh, we put it online. And uh, I think that's that's the future of our of, of the kind of stuff we'll do online. Great so driving, how'd you, how'd you pick these 50 people? Um, well, they're going to apply. Oh, so my God. So they're going to apply online. They go on uh, the Facebook Focus site. The f Focus actually has a Facebook uh, page, a friend of, uh, and you register as a friend of Focus, and then you apply to be one of these global test drive participants. And we have a panel of judges that review all every application, and we're going to pick the 50 best applications. And you know the criteria we're going to use is how big is your social network, you know, mm -hmm. um, how great are you at. Um, are you a car enthusiast? Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, we're going to give every one of the winners $10,000 for their charity of choice. That's way cool. That's yeah. excellent. But man, that's a gutsy move because what if they get something wrong? I mean, if they're not, you know, full-time journalists, not that we're yep. total experts in everything yep. and others can't be, or if, or if something goes wrong, man, that's going to go viral too. It will. But to be honest, John, it's going to happen anyways. Maybe it'll be four months later when they get the production car right. and they do some crazy thing with it. Right. It's going to happen anyways. You might as well give them the opportunity to do it. You know, that was actually a big fear of ours in Fiesta Movement. What we found is that the real, really viral, savvy customers that are out there creating communities, they are really sharp. They are really sharp. Um, and we found that, you know, yes, you take a risk, but you can control and manage that risk through the kind of people you select and the kind of circumstances that you give them an opportunity to create content. That's way cool. Kudos to you guys, man. You're showing some guts there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one thing about Ford is, you know, we're not going to get noticed unless we, um, unless we're authentic. And I think that's what's special about the company right now. We got some great products. Uh, we got a company that people are starting to look at it once again. And uh, I think the missing element is, you know, my obligation to the team is let's connect with people in new ways. I think that's that's an important part of a company being relevant. So Jim, we're in this C-Max vehicle right now. Tell us why the company's got to come out with that. In the European market, you've got all kinds of crossovers. Yes. In the U.S. Yes. as well. Yes. Why are you bringing this one out in Europe? Well, John, uh, seven years ago we introduced the original C-Max. And for family customers in Europe, this is a really important segment, more than a million units. Uh, if you have a small family in Europe, a five-door hatchback uh, may not be enough room and this gives customers a little more headroom and a lot more storage room for family customers. So the C-Max was something really new for for the European industry and has really started the multi-activity vehicle segment um, and, and the real first player was the Renault Scenic. Now what's happened is more and more competitors are coming out with three-row variants. This is a two-row five-passenger family vehicle. There's now even larger vehicles, even, some of them even having sliding doors. And that's why we're introducing the Grand C-Max here in Europe. So, and the Grand C-Max is three rows of uh, yes. seats to yes. it. And you mentioned the, the sliding doors. Why sliding doors? You know, some people think sliding doors are kind of déclassé, you know, a little too much like a, a minivan. Yes. Well, uh, what we hear from customers in Europe and certainly customers in the U.S. is 
um, just especially in Europe where you're in crowded parking garages a lot um, a traditional opening door is very difficult to get um, you know a lot of things in and out of the car from the side and also a lot easier to get in and out for customers and now um, you know in the past sliding doors had real downside for design you know there's usually a big slit in the side of the vehicle and I think our team really works hard to make sure that the sliding doors look natural. You've got the 1.6 liter EcoBoost engine right. in this vehicle. Driving it around here on these roads in southern France, it's really good. Really low end torque, yep. pulls very strong. But are you going to be able to convince American consumers that a 1.6 liter four cylinder engine is something that they should be buying? I mean, I, I can just see a bias against the idea, even though as I drive it, this thing's perfectly good. Well, I think, you know, they're going to have to trust Ford a little bit, to be honest. One of the things that, you know, we were fortunate is we started EcoBoost on the performance side. So um, I think that's the first thing is ha having a 3.5 liter SHO as an EcoBoost at the beginning kind of leaves the aura that it's not just, you know, uh, fuel savings. But I think when they see the fuel economy numbers, when people really understand the EcoBoost uh, fuel efficiency, I think they're going to give it a try. We think it's very compelling. We've done a lot of research. You know, we haven't come out. We haven't come out with the EPA certified numbers on the highway. These engines are really efficient, and we think that's going to grab a lot of attention. And of course, in the European version, you're going to have a diesel, and we in the media love these diesels. Yes. So, I mean, why not for the U.S. market? Boy, well, you know, uh, as a car guy, I have to say. Uh, the low-end torque that you love, I love too, and we all know the Americans love it. We do have a two-liter um, Dura-Torque engine available in the Grand C-Max and C-Max, 163 PS, great low CO2, great fuel economy, as you mentioned, on the highway. You know, John, honestly, the after-treatment system now required in the U.S. Uh, is very, very expensive. Um, it, most of the systems are urea-based on a, on a $50,000 Super Duty. Customers are more than willing to pay, and, and the trade-offs are a lot easier to, to pencil when you're driving a lot of miles. But to be honest, for the average customer in the U.S., you know, EcoBoost is, frankly, almost all the same benefits. We're using forced induction, high-pressure direct injection. Those are really the core technology of our of our diesel engines in Europe. And so customers are getting all that low-end torque. Frankly, after two or 3,000 RPM, the torque is completely flatlined in, in an EcoBoost engine. And we think that, uh, that EcoBoost is exactly that. It's basically the benefits of a small displacement um, turbo diesel engine uh, for petrol customers in the U.S. You know, the, the Grand C-Max, or the C-Max as you'll call it in the U.S. market, I see as probably a great substitute for a minivan mm -hmm. in, in the U.S. And of course, minivan sales have always been driven by household formation. Yes. Do you see things changing in that regard in the U.S. market? Do you see a demographic switch where millennials are really starting to be the ones who might buy a vehicle like that? John, we're, we are really seeing an important, probably in my career, the most important demographic trend in the U.S., which is what you said, the millennials are starting to have kids now, and, they're, and they, we've seen innovation after innovation, generation after generation, when, when the boomers had kids, they turned to, cro to crossovers and SUVs, they, they, frankly, they invented the segment, um, and we really believe that millennials are looking for a fun to drive, good looking, 
seven passenger vehicle that gets great gas mileage and has really nice onboard technology. Um, and frankly, there's not a lot of competition. There's Mazda 5 out there, um, but that's really the only choice. If, you, if you're a millennial right now and you have one or two children and, and you don't have a, you know $30,000 to spend on Sienna or, or an Odyssey, there's not a lot of choices. The low end of the minivan market are very fuel inefficient, not a lot of specifications. They're not rewarding to drive. And we think that the, the C-Max or the Grand C-Max in Europe, it's really something new for those customers. We think that demographic trend is something that uh, will play into the introduction of the vehicle. Is that why you also designed the vehicle, as it were, rather than go try to fight your way back into the minivan segment, why not go where there really isn't much competition? Absolutely. One of the real benefits of One Ford, concretely for U.S. customers, our dealers, us as a company, is that we have access to these great products that in the past were designed only for Europe. And now we have this opportunity to bring a really fun-to-drive seven-passenger vehicle to the U.S. in an area of the market that's not very, uh, frankly, competitive at this point. And one of the other things we notice is when fuel prices shot up, this segment volume exploded for these types of product. Um, the, the Mazda 5 sales more than tripled, quadrupled when fuel prices escalated. So this is a segment, not only is there not a lot of choice for customers, and, and uh, we think we have a great new choice for them, but also it's extremely sensitive fuel price. And we think over time, whether it's next month or next year, we don't know when, fuel price is going to escalate again. And when that happens, we think that customers will really appreciate the efficiency of the C-Max. Jim, Sync has been an enormous success in the United States. Are you bringing it here to the European market as well? You know, believe it or not, we've never had Sync on sale here in Europe, John. And uh, the European team has seen what's happened in the U.S. U.S. customers, smartphone usage is a little higher uh, in, in the U.S. And frankly, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a bet by the company. And uh, we are really excited to bring Sync with the new focus that we introduced at the Paris Auto Show uh, to, to Europe and also on the My Ford uh, system of the new HMI, Human Machine Interface. And together with voice commands, this is very new to the European market. Um, we've had Bluetooth connectivity, but frankly, it's just a connection. You couldn't you know, reset the um, navigation system. You couldn't call you know, your wife or kids on the phone using voice like you can with Sync and my Ford. And so this is going to be really new for us. And uh, frankly, we're a little bit... Um, we're a little bit um, surprised by the reaction so far because uh, we thought it'd be a little advanced, uh, but the reaction we've gotten so far from dealers and customers is, you know, can you expand the the, uh, the implementation beyond just focus and the C-Max products? One of the things that really impresses me about my Ford Touch is that you're doing it an open source basis and yes. now people can develop apps for it. Absolutely. Do you see the same thing happening in Europe? Do you think that they'll start developing apps for these specific European applications? We hope so. And in fact, we're already reaching out to a lot of the application developers. And, um, you know, that's really a global trend now. Um, you know, it was interesting. I went to an application, um, a conference for application developers, and we asked everyone to raise their hand about who's developing apps for mobile. And actually, there were more people developing apps for mobile than there were for people developing apps like, you know, on your home computer and your laptop. Um, so we really expect uh, Sync's ability to bring a Pandora 
or something that people use, you know, even a handheld navigation system into the car is going to be a big idea, a big part of why Sync is different than the other options out there. And absolutely, we expect some of those applications to be exclusive to Europe. Okay, you're in charge of sales and marketing. What are some of the ideas that you've got going around in your head, especially in the U.S. market, of how to advertise this? We're still about a year away, right, before it yes. gets U.S. showrooms. I think, John, you know, one of the things we've learned with the Fiesta movement is um, with this kind of new concept, especially from a mainstream brand with Ford, it's a little unexpected. You've got to start early. So we are absolutely going to have to start early to start to get people to understand, especially the real car fanatics out there, the bloggers, um, important media like yourself. That's why we're really excited to have you here in Nice to kind of understand the concept, frankly. Um, and uh, But that's not all. We have to go into social media. We launched the Global Ford uh, Focus Test Drive. Uh, so we're inviting 50 people from around the world to come here to Southern Europe in the next couple months to drive the Focus before anyone else. And we're going to have to do the same thing with the C-Max products. How's that gone over in Europe, doing this whole sort of viral approach to getting the word out? Well, it's pretty different. Um, to be honest, you know, it's gone really quickly in the U.S. I think it's a little too early to tell. Um, we actually, I did most of the interviews on the stand at Paris um, through Twitter and uh, actually on the computer, uh, which was pretty neat. Um, and uh, so, and the response in Europe is maybe a little slower than it is in the U.S., but I, I do think it's catching on. The place that it's really uh, happening in social media is China. Really? Uh, yeah, China is ground zero when it comes to social media. A lot of people think oh, it's the U.S. and Twitter and YouTube. Uh-uh, sorry. Uh, the Fiesta movement came from China. We actually launched the entire Fiesta product, our core high-volume product now in China, only on social media, on basically a get-to-know-you site. And, um, you know, it, social media is the number one consumed media in China. It is the way all the car companies launch product, and there is more experimentation happening. There are actually more people online in China than there are people in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to go then, absolutely. Okay, what am I missing here? Anything else that we should be talking about in terms of C-Max, Grand C-Max, or anything else that you're interested in these days? I think one of the real interesting parts is, you know, being, let's say, relatively um, later comer to the seven-pass business, uh, we've been able to really think through the seating flexibility of the vehicle, and we put a lot of new thinking in the seven-pass in the hideaway center seat, um, which stores under the uh, one of the other side seats so that people can walk through. What else are you trying to make special about these cars? Well, you know, John, one of the things that may be new to a lot of American customers, but it's not new to the company, is our DNA in Europe is really in our, our one of our differentiating points of Ford. What we stand for is really fun to drive cars. I mean, great steering feel. You know, something that, that you can really have fun getting from point A to point B. And I have like a little expression I use pretty frequently in the company is, you know, we do not want to sell refrigerators at the company. So one of the things we worked really hard on the C-Max products, especially in Focus 2, is fun to drive. We worked really hard on the E-Pass steering feel and the, just the, the fun to drive smile factor. And, you know, you don't usually normally hear that with 
uh, a multi-activity vehicle or crossover or minivan, whatever you want to call what the C-Max is. But we really have a chance to get people to, to move out of their B and C cars that they really like fun to drive and get into a, a, a people carrier that's just as much fun to drive. And I think that's one of the things that makes us different as a company and it's part of our DNA and I think it really distinguishes the vehicle. Yeah, really good point. And you know, this e-pass is really good. Yeah. You know, just coming up through the, the twisty bits as we've done this morning, uh, this thing has been incredibly precise. Very direct feel. Yes. Also, I can't believe how flexible this EcoBoost powertrain yes. is. You know, yes. I can lug it way down, yep. pull up very steep hills. This thing, uh, it, it just pulls. It just goes. It's pretty good. We're really happy with the torque feeling. We think that, as you mentioned, John, that Americans are really going to appreciate this low-end torque experience with the EcoBoost engines. It's a marketing opportunity, as you mentioned, but we think that from a fun-to-drive standpoint, that's like a smile factor. The smile factor is all those things working together. The, the steering feel, how precise it is, the, um, the fun to drive, the lateral Gs, the ability to chuck the car around, and also that low end torque, it all kind of works together to make the vehicle fun to drive. And I think that's one of the things that US customers are gonna start to get to know about the new Ford as we globalize the company. Well, Jim Farley, thanks so much for taking the time to drive through these beautiful roads in southern France with me. Uh, no problem, John. It's, it's a treat for me, too. Like I said at the top of the show, Ford's not going to introduce the C-Max into the American market for yet another year. So why have they invited me here to southern France to drive all over the countryside reporting on this vehicle? because they want to prepare the American public for the kind of vehicle, the likes of which they've never put in their showrooms before. By the way, you can learn a whole lot more about the C-Max at our website, where we've got all kinds of information about it. And hey, I've got to thank Jim Farley for taking the time to drive around talking about all the different topics that we covered. But that brings us to the end of this show. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.